Hello, everyone. It's Monday here on the Splash Play channel, and that means two things. One, I'm going to tell you if it's time, if you should be panicking or no panicking about a variety of different things. And we have it in a brand new format that I'm taking a lot of time to get ready right before the show. But also, it's Monday Night Football. That means it's showdown here on the Splash Play channel. So I'm going to hop into Fantasy Cruncher, try to identify some weak spots that you could attack on tonight's slate. So let's talk about some lessons that I learned from yesterday getting crushed by Raheem Mostert. And I'll do that right after this intro. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Splash Play. Of course, the Monday solo Spags edition after a rollicking good time on Friday. It's me here alone, Chris Spags. So please do me a favor, guys. Of course, subscribe to the channel. Hit the like button. Comment down below. Of course, I'm always paying active attention to the chat as well. So I appreciate you guys hanging out, leaving me some feedback as we go. And I need it. Honestly, I feel like one thing that annoys me that I've started to catch from myself, you might have caught right before we went to that little uh, intro video for ourselves. The way that I say intro uh, when, like, closing out of an intro it's like intro and <laughs> it really drives me insane so please hit the like button to help boost up my my ego my sense of self-worth whatever you want to call it guys uh but as i talked about we're going to do a new version of panic no panic today which will be a, a fixture here on the monday streams with me so please subscribe to the channel and get involved in the community that we're building here of course mondays and thursdays i do the showdown videos along with some extra fun stuff going in on thursday premium stats and then today, uh, panic and no panic here, which we could see on the screen right now. Oh, it's moved the tier maker. We're doing it tier style. Brandon Wagner in the chat. What's up, Brandon? I appreciate you, of course, hanging out here with me. And that's the kind of love I'm giving to you right now. It's in the form of tier maker. I'm stealing a bit that everybody else does on the internet because that's the kind of creator I am. And also, frankly, I felt like the PowerPoints, like I was enjoying them, but ultimately I think we could talk about more games, talk about more fantasy stuff, of course. Things like Brees Hall's ACL tear, not great. Things like J.K. Dobbins being a late scratch yesterday, not great. Uh, but it's going to be some fun stuff. Well, that's not fun stuff to me. <laughs> I'm saying fun stuff as a verbal crutch. To be clear, ACL tears, never fun stuff, in fact. Uh, Shouts to Jason, of course, a nice showing in the 4444 on DraftKings this weekend. Min cash after we talked with him about it on the stream a little bit on Friday's show. But shout out to everybody, of course. Hopefully, you guys had good weekends. Um, I had a passable weekend until the showdown yesterday where I got way too cute for myself. But we are the world. Steven Leibovitz, you get it. So let's talk about some panic, no panic. The first team I'm putting up here, and that's why it is already on the screen, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I think, are an instant big-time panic for them. It is something we've talked about on the Probably emails I send. Of course, the wait list we have going at problyapp.com, P-R-O-B-L-Y app.com. I'm sending out weekly updates, basically reading the tea leaves of top international sportsbook data to determine you know, where the game flow is for all these games and just kind of you know figuring out some things that I think could be lower probability outcomes. I'm hoping it's been helpful to some people out there. I've got some nice feedback from some of you guys in the community. But that's the thing we're doing. One thing that jumped out, though, which I wrote up this email every Saturday morning is when I'm writing up that probable email that goes out talking about the most and least probable NFL bets, talking about some college football stuff, some NBA stuff, uh, MLB play playoffs, of course, going on right now. And Tom Brady now two straight weeks has blown games where he had at least a 75% probability of winning. And this is, again, according to sportsbook markets out there that are spending millions of dollars of their own money to say that this is the way that they're doing it, this is the way they're betting it. All their advanced analytics, like literal consortiums of people are combining together as companies to pay for these bets and to play them based on their own models and whatever they think is an advantageous opportunity. So this is not just bullshit. This is not just somebody on a, a YouTube stream like me or, or somebody much uglier, of course, uh, <laughs> doing their content out there. Uh, no, it's like actual people that are wagering money and have the most advanced data in the world. They think Tom Brady should have won the last two weeks. He puts up three points in that spot. So if you are a Bucks fan, if you are a Bucks believer, it's something we talked about in the preseason where I had some vague concerns about the Bucks, And then you see them play. They start to win games. It's kind of the classic Tom Brady bullshit where they'll win however they can. Maybe they'll figure out down the home season stretch. You have Chris Godwin out there. You have Mike Evans out there. You have Fournette. Rashad White actually looks like a player. Even Kate Otten looks passable. To put up three points in that spot is just an absolute catastrophe. So I think they're firmly in panic territory. Another team I'm going to add to the panic portion of things right here is going to actually, oh boy, tough to do this with my left hand. I am a righty, and uh, you can really see it. <laughs> so we slowly drag the Ravens up top. Ravens, I think, need to be in panic mode. And the Giants are one of those teams that on the year so far horseshoe up their ass fully kind of team where it seems like they're getting a lot of results in a way that honestly doesn't align with what you see on the football field data wise as well. Like Brian Dable, a great coach, but a guy who's getting such results out of a team that has such little talent. Kadarius Tony not out there. Kenny Galladay, an absolute waste of a contract. 
you know, these guys are ones that you would have pinned some hope to. Saquon's been great for sure. Wandale Robinson's looking good in limited sample size. Guys like Richie James, even David Sills have outperformed what their talent level is. But they fucking beat the Ravens. Like, this is a team that overall I think has a lot of concern or, you know, played strong with the Ravens. And then yesterday with the Ravens, too, you see them playing so limp against um, their opponents, like overall, I think with um, losing some steam guys, I worked out right before the show. So my brain is absolutely flustered, but I think with the Ravens, you see a team that's kind of underperforming week after week, Mark Andrews, with the zero point game, like it's stuff that just shouldn't happen. And even in Gus Edwards looking good in that spot, I feel like the Ravens are a team that has more panic to him than you would think the injuries too, to seeing getting back uh, any sort of running back injuries starting to pile up with them. They're cursed time and time again. So I think they're a little bit of a panic situation. The Lions, if you tail the Lions at all this week, I think they're another team that has to go firmly into panic territory. Um, for me with the Lions, I certainly was burned by the concussion of Monroe St. Brown yesterday. But in the spot for the Lions where they really are down on talent, DeAndre Swift can't get back on the field after all week long. Everybody out there was telling you that, hey, the Lions are going to be a team that should have Swift back. They're getting off the bye. They're up to full power. They did not show that yesterday against the Cowboys. It's hard to sort of say that you are panicking if you're a Lions fan, certainly them being even fun to watch, putting up 40-point games, giving up 40-point games. That's an improvement on where they've been. For this situation, though, for the Lions overall, I feel like talent-wise, you certainly have to panic. This team, certainly one that I would put firmly in the panic category after we've talked about them the last few weeks. The Arizona Cardinals, I think you really have to be worried about. If you invested in them, Kyler Murray was a guy that I thought buying in on him, it gets the big contract. There's a lot of people who are down on him who think that he fails every year. I figured at some point things would run good for him. If you're a Cardinals fan right now, I think you really deeply have to be worried about what they're putting out there on the field every week. DeAndre Hopkins comes back in i vocalized some of my fantasy concerns with him just the fact that he is a guy that gets contested catches that's been his one strength now he's back out there and he doesn't have peds in his system presumably he's getting older it's harder to make those contested catches it's harder to stay on the field as keenan allen keeps showing us with the chargers week after week so the cardinals to me i think are firmly on panic territory here and uh i think that's gonna sort of cover the main panic teams here if there, are there any that you guys are missing or that you feel like i should be putting in the panic category um that's one that i feel like uh i'm willing to take some crowd feedback on here because i'm tier making for the first time here, guys. I'm a tier maker noob. I don't know what I'm doing, so I need all the support that I can. And shout out to Jason saying, love the email spags. If you're not signed up, well, what are you doing? There's valuable info on there. I hope so. So please go to probablyapp.com and check it out. Uh, let's keep pushing through here. Another team that tonight I think is on the cusp of, on, of a breakdown, but honestly still been good enough and might get some results running the ball in Monday Night Football. But the Bears, I think, are a cusp panic team to me. Just Justin Fields, week after week, they don't trust to throw the ball. He's a high pedigree guy who you'd hope you just see if he fails out there, see if he can keep up, you know, just see what you have in him. And it seems like they're really playing deliberately to not see what they have in him so for me the bears and i think i'm actually going to build out my ranks in advance next week <laughs> so i'm thinking about here but the bears i think are a team that honestly you can make the case it's on the thumbnail like they're a cusp panic team and i think tonight playing justin fields will put you in a panic if you are chat trying to get him in the showdown uh the qbs who don't know what they're doing that's bill belichick teams thing is a narrative that i would buy into the markets also have the patriots as a pretty big favorite tonight so looks like an ugly spot overall but i think if you're a bears fan you're, may you're maybe not panicking yet maybe you're still happy that you got you know, guys like Cleo Herbert there. You have David Montgomery looking okay. And there's the hope still that Justin Fields can be more after he's shown some vocal frustration. But I think to me, if you are a Bears fan overall, you're really a cusp panic team right now. Um, the Broncos, I think, is an interesting one to put into teetering on a breakdown here because with Russell Wilson not playing this week, I think they saw what it's like to live on the other side. And you saw a ton of air yards go to every single Broncos receiver uh, when you had Brett Rippon out there. And that was one thing, I think, because we as a show love talking about backup QBs. I, as an analyst, love analyzing backup QBs for the faint chance for one. One of them is actually good. It's a tremendous amount of fun. The Mike Whites of the world we've seen in the past. Uh, he's one that comes to mind. The Ben Nucci's of the world was somebody that we wanted to believe in, but he just lets us down time and time again. Uh, but the Broncos, though, Brett Rippon in the preseason was a guy that was slinging it downfield. Yesterday, we saw season-high air yards marks for Jerry Judy along with K.J. Hamler. Sutton's always been an air yards monster so far. But I think you have to ask the question if you are the Broncos, like, are you better with Brett Rippon than you are with Russell Wilson? At least Russell Wilson is maybe playing through some injuries. And I don't think we know that for a fact, but you combine that with a new coach. When you get the new coach, it's like having that shiny new toy. You feel so good about the optimism that you have for this coach coming in and saving your team, getting them on the right path. I think everything we've seen with Hackett is not the case. Everything we've seen with Russell Wilson, also not the case. So this spot for me, I think the Broncos overall should be panicked and really panicked too that they're kind of trapped. Like even if Brett Rippon looks good in games, even if he is a guy that deserves maybe investing some more time in, as long as Russell Wilson is healthy enough to go, as long as they can trot him out there, they have to do that. So they're getting kind of a devil's, I don't know, like a really a spot for them where they really can't win. And I think that's one that I would worry about if I were a Broncos fan personally. Um, 
Other teams that I think are going to be teetering on the cusp of a breakdown. The Colts, I think, perennially are just feel like a team when you root for them, when you invest in them. Alec Pierce, a guy that I love so dearly, but I actually did end up playing a lot of on Sunday just because of the fact that he was getting steamed up everywhere. There were articles calling him out on every fantasy football site in the world as being a great play. Gets Titans defense that overall has given up a ton of deep balls on the year. The Colts, though, did not rise to the occasion yesterday. Jonathan Taylor being back in meant nothing to the offense. If anything, the offense looked even worse. We also saw the Titans bring a ton of pressure, which is one of those things that I think um, I don't talk about enough as a, as a fantasy analyst. And I think the community overall does maybe talk about maybe underdog guys when doing film, but a lot of stuff is when you observe something like, oh, the Titans have been getting killed on deep balls. Football teams know that too. Like I know that from football outsiders, of course, which I still am a full-time employee of, and you can go subscribe for yourself, footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. We're doing a lot of great stuff behind the scenes there that I'm really proud of. We work with NFL teams. We know what they look at. And I think sometimes when you are in the media landscape, when you're in the, the consumer landscape, you think, oh, yeah, these teams don't pay attention like I do to stats. But these guys are aware. Like, they're very aware of their weaknesses. And the Titans are certainly were aware of them giving up a lot of deep balls. So you know what they did was they sold out to not give up deep balls. They also brought a crazy amount of pressure down the middle. Matt Ryan got sacked a bunch of times after not getting sacked the previous week. And the Colts, too, what worries me about them, and I've always loved Frank Reich as a coach, is I've talked about on these streams, like, I like coaches. Like, I like rooting for coaches. I like thinking this guy's a good coach. It's guy's a bad coach. I think sometimes it offers some opportunity for you. But if you're the Colts and you have Frank Reich, who is this guy who's, I think, a QB genius, certainly a big part of the Eagles Super Bowl run a couple years ago. We have uh, people, we have OG Mans fans talking about Foles being a great backup. Like that was Frank Reich doing a lot of that legwork to get that offense where it needed to be. And now with Carson Wentz last year, like they win enough to certainly to blow it down the home stretch and not make the playoffs. This year, it seems like they could win enough to maybe make the playoffs or blow it again like they did last year. And at a certain point, they just don't seem to learn from what they've done right, what they've done wrong week after week. So for me, as somebody that's invested in the Colts offense, that's still going to a lot of best ball shares for Naheem Hines, a lot of best ball shares for Alec Pierce. I'm rooting for these guys. But overall, I feel like I have a lot of concerns. They cannot figure it out. OG Mansfan, I did see this and I felt bad about it. OG Mansfan did play Alec Pierce in the uh, in his big lineup here with $4,000 on the line, so that did not work out for him. Colts are changing QBs for the season, going Ellinger from this point on. Is that actually, I don't that's not a news item that's for real, but honestly, at this point, it might be worth taking a shot. The issue with Matt Ryan is I think he's shown enough. Like last week, he looked legitimately good, both fantasy-wise and real-life-wise, so... I don't know what the Colts have there, but I think the fact that they can't figure out what they have seems like a problem. And if you're a Jonathan Taylor guy, like you got to be worried quite a bit here. I think the Packers are uh, in full panic mode. Their three wins were against the Bears, Bucks, and no wide receivers, and an OT win over the Pats and their third string QB. Nobody is fantasy relevant but Jones. I think it's a good point. Actually, in fact, why I was planning on putting the Packers right in my teetering on a breakdown one, because I think if you're the Packers, you could still make the case that, oh, if we listen to Aaron Rodgers, if we try to check down, if we do some things, like it's going to be something that maybe we can get back on the right track. But what they showed yesterday with Alan Lazard being banged up during that game, they really didn't have anything to go to besides Aaron Jones. You can make the case they should use Aaron Jones more as, as you know, we were talking about here. Like Jones has been great. He's been the one bright spot on the year. He's able to get out there, run some pass routes. But overall, it's just the team with the Packers that like Aaron Rodgers being toxic again as he is every single time it runs bad for them. Uh, Matt LaFleur, I think, looking less like a genius by the week just with his inability to figure it out and also him butting heads in the media every week with Aaron Rodgers. And this spot for me, the Packers, I think, are a team where they you can make the case they're in full panic mode. I still think you could also make the case they're panicking a little bit less just because of the fact that they have Aaron Rodgers. And they've been through this time, you know, time and time again, unfortunately for them, where there is this toxicity. There is this sort of like, oh, we don't know what we're doing. We don't know what we're doing. And then they figure it out and get there in a, a soft NFC North. Um, will that happen this year? I don't know. But I think you make the case it won't. It is real. There we go. It's real. Uh, okay, so I did not know that. Wow. Um, I honestly was in here trying to figure out tier maker, so I missed the Sam Ellinger news. Uh, certainly an interesting choice for them. I guess we'll see what they have. Uh, you know, Ellinger's pedigree. I'm actually curious to pull it up on Player Profiler. Let's let's take this little jaunt over to Player Profiler and see uh, what his profile looks like. So we could assess their panicking fully. Though I would say the fact that they're even going to a backup at this point would be a, a panic situation for them. PlayerProfiler.com. All right, Sam Ellinger. This is what I like to do for any player I don't know the port, uh, the profile of offhand super well. I did, did recall he went to Texas. Uh, oh, 61st percentile hand size. You got to worry about that. Though Kenny Pickett has really started to dispel some hand size rumors, so maybe not the case. DFS dominator stats. So college QBR, 66th percentile. Yards per, eight, uh, yards per attempt, rather, 47th percentile. Uh, spark numbers, not great. Breakout age is okay. Breakout age. I don't even know how much that matters. Really <laughs> best comparable chase Daniel. So we are starting a career backup kind of guy, uh, in the hopes that I guess he solves what their issues are. 
Maybe he executes a game plan more. Maybe his ability to get out of the pocket could be an asset. Uh, but I don't think you're getting a whole lot out of Sam Ellinger overall. Um, but honestly, you know, the Colts offense has felt like a team that's been a, a bit of a sleeping tiger over the last few weeks. And I think, you know, really the last few seasons where they have weapons like Pittman's a good player. They've had the tight ends. They have Taylor. They have Hines as like an explosive weapon. Deion Jackson's proven he deserves to run some routes. So I think you make the case overall that the Colts honestly should be playing better over the last few years, but they haven't. Um, a team that's really just been snake bitten since the Andrew Luck thing. Like, I'm pretty sure Frank Reich took that job in the hopes he'd have Andrew Luck. And then he ends up this fucking dumpster fire where you're talking to yourself into Sam Ellinger. Uh, I think Brandon sums it up well. What a disaster. Sir, that is very much true. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> it's a surprise on a Monday, too. To call it on a Monday really means that they were sitting on this one overnight. We're like, I don't know what the fuck we're going to do. Like, <laughs> so, all right. Sam Ellinger, honestly, let's uh, let's pop the Colts up. They're in full panic mode. If you're benching your, like, veteran QB who you traded for and talked up the offseason, I think we got to make an executive decision here. They're in panic mode. I'm going to put one team down. At the bottom, I think the Panthers are firmly in chill vibes only territory. So no panic at all. No sweat off the Panthers back. Maybe our pal Nick Bird can chime in either live or in the comments later on. But I know the Panthers like for a team that just has nothing, like really traded away everything they have has absolutely nothing. I think this is a spot for the Panthers. You got to feel great about the fact that your team is now competitive enough. That defense, if they call back the dogs a little bit enough to get a top pick, you're going to end up with somebody good offensively at QB. Most likely you're going to end up with a defense that can get the job done. I don't think Steve Wilkes is probably the coach you want to have long-term unless this defense is just a monster who shuts down everybody and limits them under 10 points like they did Tom Brady yesterday. But I think the Panthers to me firmly in chill vibes only territory. Another team I'm going to put firmly in chill vibes only territory. You see the Chiefs walk into a matchup against the Niners that's just so tough on paper so we talked about the Niners lead the league in the EPA decrease to the opposing team so basically they're taking points away for the most part every time they defend everybody the Chiefs go out there and they're absolute monsters throwing the ball around the biggest days of the year for Juju Smith-Schuster and MVS Kelsey kind of held in check but still perfectly competent you see Clyde Edwards-Hilaire get a touchdown they're doing some weird things with Pacheco starting then uh, not using him that much overall relative to what the scheme could have been uh, Hardman goes for all the touchdowns like if you're the Chiefs right now you got to feel incredibly good about where your team is and where it can be moving forward and then just like that pantsing of the Niners man like putting up 44 against that Niners seem to me seems like one that I would uh, really have a lot of confidence in if I were a Chiefs fan and certainly we talked DFS wise like you could invest this offense every week uh, the tough part though is like if you're paying that Mahomes Kelsey price tag and Kelsey doesn't get there you are probably fucked I think it's, as Pete might have seen in some of his lineups from what I was seeing earlier Steven saying that Wright got the job when McDaniels pulled out the very last minute. That's true, but like I think Reich did a great job with that Eagles team. And I think a lot of the credit go should go to him instead of Doug Peterson personally. Um, I guess you can really argue either way based on what we've seen from the Jaguars so far, based on what we've seen from the Colts with Frank Reich as, uh, as their steward so far. But overall, I, you know, I think that to me, I was a believer in Frank Reich, and if he's bad, I'll be kind of disappointed. Um, Okay, teams that are teetering on a panic attack. I'm going to get another team in the chill vibes only. The commanders are playing with house money right now. Like Taylor Heineke for the second straight year has looked better than the QBs that he's filling in for. I think Sam Howell is the answer long-term for them, or at least a guy you have to see if he's the answer, given that he is a pure deep ball slinger with guys like Diami Brown, with Terry McLaurin, even with the running backs. Like we've seen Antonio Gibson be able to get out there and run some routes. J.D. McKissick has been less involved in the past game this year, but it's still a spot where they actually do like to throw the deep ball and have the talent to do that. I think you want to see Heineke out there certainly for now uh see what Howell can do in practice see if you could beat him out if you could show off that deep arm if you can learn the offense appropriately with no Carson Wentz they now have some flexibility there the team could be good enough I guess the one thing maybe you could bump them up a little bit maybe not full chill vibes only I could go to don't worry be happy for them <laughs> like these rankings are so important that I made up right before the show while figuring out what's here maker <laughs> What it actually looks like but i think they're more of a don't worry be happy actually because at the end of the day they might be just good enough to stay afloat not good enough to win the nfc east maybe not even good enough to make a playoff spot based on how the giants are doing so far so i think overall they could be playing themselves out of a prime draft spot also maybe playing themselves into not knowing what sam howell is until next year so they're fine certainly winning you know being able to do what they did to the packagers today and really assert their dominance they're an interesting team now here's nick see it's like i called them out like beetlejuice and now nick's here we're simultaneously the favorites of the top pick it's still in the hunt to win the nfc South. I definitely want the top pick at this point, but as a fan, we're definitely just chill enough to be dangerous. There we go. <laughs> it's dangerous. Dangerous nights coming for the Panthers, I'm sure. 
Okay, another team, a man to the chill vibes only. The Bengals were a team that I was worried about a couple of weeks ago with Joe Burrow throwing the, the coaching under the bus, talking a lot of shit about them overall, you know, just like how they were game planning, how they weren't able to solve the two deep safeties to cover twos that a lot of these teams were rolling out defensively to try to inhibit the Mahomeses, the Allenses, the Burrows of the world. We've seen Mahomes and Allens overcome it. Burrow has not been able to do that or wasn't able to do that for the first couple of weeks. Now he's overcoming it every week to the point that I thought he was dangerous chalk despite the fact that Atlanta on the year, one of those teams that gives up a positive EPA boost so they're allowing teams to score a lot more points against them overall than the average of the league would be. Um, in this spot for the Bengals, like I thought that the chase chalk was a mistake. I thought that the Burrow again as a chalk QB was a mistake. I love Tyler Boyd. Very excited for my best ball shares. Not redacted on this show because not enough people to watch to inform the FBI. But Tyler Boyd for me, a 20% guy in best ball mania. I think a similar number on DraftKings. I'm feeling good about that. But I'm mostly feeling good about the fact that I did invest a lot in Burrow. invested a lot in T. Higgins. invested a lot in this offense. Even though I didn't get as much Jamar Chase as some of the other stud receivers. But I think overall, like this offense being good, Jamar Chase being good, just means it's going to get easier for everybody, including Joe Mixon. Uh, yesterday, I thought Joe Mixon was a really solid play. He ends up not getting there because, frankly, Jamar Chase was so good. But if Jamar Chase goes out at the one-yard line, Joe Mixon gets a few more touches right at the goal line. I think that could flip a little. But this offense being good overall, being functional overall, not pointing fingers, I think this is very much chill vibes territory only. The Bengals were getting back into form in a way that I thought was going to take a few more weeks. So you got to be pretty encouraged by them. Uh, yeah, they decided to run every play out of the shotgun where Burrow thrives. So there you go. Another way that they're able to do that. Certainly more time to dissect whatever defenses are being thrown his way. But they've made adjustments. And ultimately, if your team makes adjustments and they're positive, I think you are firmly in chill vibes territory, especially if you were a Super Bowl contender that maybe looked like you were snake bitten so far. Um, you can see going a different way here. The Bucks and the Bengals suits teams that were in the hunt according to the Vegas odds to win the title and now uh, not so much. I think this is a, a Cowboys team that's me feels cute right now. Might panic later. They come away with the easy win against the Lions, but holy shit, was that an unimpressive win? Certainly fantasy wise, but Zeke doesn't look that good. Pollard looks better than Zeke, but still gets limited work wise. CD Lamb doesn't do anything. Michael Gallup does absolutely nothing. Where I thought he was a really smart play to target down the field against the Lions. The Lions had enough time to prep for this uh, Cowboys team. Did not let Gallup get loose. Gallup also, I think, seemingly lost some snaps to Noah Brown at points as well. This Cowboys seem to me like they're not the best team in the East. Like that's clearly the Eagles. They might not be the second best team in the East because I think that seems like the Giants in terms of their coaching, if not their talent. They might not be the best third team in the East because I think the commanders actually are going to be kind of feisty, spunky with Heineke. So, man, it's a really tough team to have any faith in. Neil saying Dallas's defense is nasty. The defense can keep them in some games, but this is a team that was built around that offense. So maybe it's a Chargers thing where the defense is good enough and you don't have to press the ball downfield. You don't have to force it to Mike Williams time and time again. But with them competing against the team like the Eagles competing against these teams like the Giants, like who do you have as a coach if not game head-to-head? -head? Like, are you going Mike McCarthy or are you going Brian Dable? Because I think Brian Dable is going to figure out anything McCarthy's going to throw his way. Same thing for Dan Quinn on that defense. Whereas for the Giants, like, I think you have to have a lot of faith in them. And actually, you know what? Giants have to be chill vibes only too, actually. Like now that we really think about it, they're winning above expectation, looking good. Coaching looks good. They have absolutely no fucking talent besides Saquon on offense, and they are looking good. Uh, Daniel Jones looking mobile on the, uh, like really looking mobile, like a young Josh Allen, which was the hope that we had for Brian Dable coming over. So the Giants to me got to be chill vibes only. A team that I think you might feel is a panic, but I'm going to put him more in a, felt cute, might panic later. The Jets to me, I think with Michael Carter being the backup, I'm biased. Again, a lot of Michael Carter in best ball was overdrafting him relative to ADP at various points as well. It came down. Whole, whole fucking thing with me and Michael Carter. That said, Michael Carter is as good as Brees Hall in the year. I know it's tough to believe because we have seen Brees Hall break these 70-yard runs. In terms of avoided tackle rate, in terms of the ability to work out of the pass game, these are all metrics that Michael Carter's been better in so far in the year. Uh, maybe not as good through the tackles, such as I think maybe not the same explosive play volume overall as Brees Hall showed. Even yesterday, he gets hurt, tears his ACL, which is a, a really big bummer, but I'm him and Javante Williams, too. Two, like, young guys tearing their ACL. Like, the Derrick Henrys of the world, that happens a lot. The young guys tearing it on the way up, I think, is a pretty big bummer. So, I think you can panic a little bit if you're a Jets fan. You got to feel sad to not see this rookie who could have been the rookie of the year easily, I think, if he kept it going. Um, in this spot right now, like, I think they can go either way. I'm going to say they're more on the no panic side.
OG Mans fan played the Bucks and had to get the extra hundred dollars to get Dallas D. I was so sure the Panthers would tank better than that. Man, that's a tough call. Like I, I know the Dallas D to me. If you weren't going to play CD Lamb, if you weren't going to play one of the, even if you played one of the running backs, if you were going to play the pass game, like playing the defense and trying to get some points there, might have been logical. Um, the Jets D was so chalky too. Like I couldn't avoid it in optimizers. So, um, not a bad play, but boy, Bucks D. Like I just, I just don't trust anything Bucks wise at this point. That's why, that's why they're top of the panic rankings. That's that's the way you know not to trust the team is if they're top of my completely arbitrary panic rankings. Chill vibes only. Buffalo's got to be the most like honestly, they deserve another tier for how chill they must be. This offense is looking historically great. Stefan Diggs, I believe, the first guy to hit 100 fantasy points, at least on underdog for the year. Um, feeling pretty good. They got to put the same thing here for the Eagles. Eagles are doing everything right right now. There's another level they can also uncork for themselves where. Like Jalen Hurts is not throwing a lot right now. I think they probably feel good about overall, like just how they're playing on the year, certainly with running the ball more, but they can like, if they play the chiefs, they're gonna have to throw the ball. And at that point, maybe you could bump them up a little bit to the panic rankings or a little bit more towards panicking for now though. Like you got to feel good if you're an Eagles fan. And I could say that cause I could walk outside and ask the Eagles fans how they're doing and then go, yes, please put us at the bottom of the panic rankings, please. <laughs> They can start panicking on the chargers too. That's interesting. So the chargers keep finding ways to win. I'm going to put them more in the panicking a little inside, but keeping it cool outside. And I think that also fits with what we've seen for Brandon Staley so far. We're kind of a fake sharp guy analytically, kind of a, a fake sharp play caller overall after last year being so aggressive, defending, going for all the fourth downs this year. He's not doing it quite as much, still passing above expectations, still creating a, a very clever offense in a way that a lot of his, his peers, his new head coaches have not. Um, but I think with the Chargers, I still feel good enough about them, the talent being there. You're going to worry, though, about Keenan Allen being hurt, Mike Williams being hurt. How long is that ankle injury going to keep him out? But Eckler looks so good. They still have Spiller, who's a rookie who can come in and make some, maybe make a difference without, you know, at least be the equivalent to Josh Kelly, if not a little bit better. Um, so I think the Chargers, to me, are not in the panic situation, but I get it. Got truck yesterday, couldn't stop the runner of the pass. I think they could keep up with any team though. So that's the difference point for me. Like, I think the chargers, like if they want to really get loose, if they want to get guys downfield, if they want to break, you know, if, if they have Josh Palmer active, first of all, I think that's a pretty big part, but Palmer Everett, those guys can get downfield. Mike Williams, we know can stretch the field. So to me, like, I don't think they're a panic team yet. Cause they do have more. They could do. I think they just played too conservative to start the year. Personally, like the check down chargers, I think is actually a pretty accurate way to look at them. Um, I think they've thought that defense is going to be good enough to keep them in every game. And they've seen that even with the talent, they've added even with the Cleo Max the Bosis of the world um JC Jackson going down but also hasn't been that good this year like I don't think the Chargers are as good defensively as they thought they would be so that's probably informed some of their play calling um the so the Rams got a week off so I think they're gonna be more of a teetering on a breakdown team honestly you know what I think they're panicking inside but I think they're also kind of keeping it cool I think Sean McVay has enough ego to him where I would panic about them overall but like for us as fantasy fans, as sports betters, even if you're a Rams fan, like the West isn't that good. We saw the Niners get pants yesterday. The Seahawks feel like they're a Geno pick away. Geno keeps forcing the ball in every single game. And I keep waiting for it to turn because like he's on the cusp of throwing a pick every game four to five times, but he's hitting the throws. Uh, so I can't talk that much shit. Again, I'm a biased Drew Locke guy. We all know that. But man, I think that Gino is just like, he is a he is a paper tiger. I use that phrase a lot, but he is like not a player that I think is going to hold up over the course of a season. Um, just because of the volatility of the throws right now, like he's a mid-major is running hot in March Madness, hitting all the threes. When those threes don't fall, it's when he starts to get smoked. And I think that's where Seattle's going to run into it a little bit. So I'm going to say um, for Seattle, I guess I'll give them their grade too. I think they're don't worry, be happy right now, but I think they know what they have there. I think they know that they don't have enough talent to keep it going. Maybe Walker's good enough to keep the pressure off Gino, but man, I just hate the way he forces the ball every time in. And, you know, Drew Locke would hit those throws effortlessly. I think we we all know that. Brandon didn't play enough. Eckler yesterday I was all in on Henry Jacobs and Walker. I mean, he got two-thirds of the question <laughs> right there. Henry ends up being a bad play. Henry is a player that I think, um, overall, let's see where the Titans fall in this metric. I think they're in the... the Panicking a little inside, but keeping it cool outside, I think is where I'm going to put the Titans just because of the fact that without Tannehill out there, they could see the game script start to get a little bit tougher if Malik Willis can't rise to the occasion. I think long-term, them seeing what they have in Malik Willis could be a positive if Tannehill misses some time. Uh, he was seen in a walking boot after yesterday's game. But man, it's very possible the Titans start to get game scripted out of Derrick Henry games, which is a real problem for them. Pair that with Derrick Henry, the mileage on him, the fact that he is past that uh, the curse of 300 touches that analytically has shown running backs fall apart. Um, there's a lot of things I think to worry about. So the Titans right now, probably not feeling that bad, uh, led to a QB change for their opponent, which you can't ever speak <laughs> too badly about if you're a team, but they are on the cusp. I think of things turning bad and we'll see how it goes. 
They'll probably rely on him more with the Williams injury. Not sure we'll ever see the old Allen again. Allen looked good for the one half he played this year. He was getting targeted downfield in a way he normally didn't. But then, you know, old guys with hamstrings, that'll happen. Um, don't worry, be happy for the Dolphins. I think the Dolphins are running incredibly good right now. I'll talk about the mistake I made in showdown yesterday. But the running game looking incredibly good. Tua looking good, looking spry. Running into fucking defenders yesterday after he was looking like he was paralyzed a couple weeks ago. He was driving his shoulder into guys in a way that would make people probably unhappy on that coaching staff. But Mike Daniels still looks like a genius. I think Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, two guys were on the cusp of exploding any given game. Mosterit looks good. They could still get more out of Chase Edmonds, even though he keeps getting the red zone work, doesn't get there. Um, the Dolphins, to me, a team that could be cusp chill vibes only, but they're not quite there. Um, I think... If you're the 49ers, you're probably in the middle here. You're feeling cute. You might panic later. Jimmy Garoppolo, we know that downside could come at any point. He did look good yesterday for the most part in the beginning of the game. Fed the ball to his receivers pretty well. Kittle has his best game of the year so far on National Tight Ends Day, the very serious holiday that we all celebrate. I'm sure you guys all got your wives and children gifts for National Tight Ends Day. Um, hopefully, at least your wives. Maybe you shouldn't be judging the tightness of your children's ends. I don't know. I'm not the expert here. Either way, though, I think the, the Niners, to me, good enough to stay in there. They're in the NFC West with the, the Seahawks leading the way. So how could you feel that bad about it? Um, it seems odd to me to put the Niners that far behind the Rams. But when you get pants by the Chiefs like that, like and you're a team that prides yourself on your defense, I think there's a little more of a panic going to your way. So that's why the Niners end up in the felt cute, might panic later category. Um, hmm. The Browns, I think, are teetering on a breakdown. Um, not just because of the fact that we have seen um, Nick Chubb be good and them still not get results. Their defense is bad as anybody's out there, but they're overall a team that like feels like it just should be better. Like Amari Cooper's actually looked pretty good. People's Jones has stepped up and Joku though out for a few weeks now out. It looks like maybe a month. Um, that's not great for them. It just feels like they're not good enough in a way that could lead to the coach having the job, his job loss. Like I think that wouldn't be a surprise for Stefanski over there. Um, so to me in the Browns, could make a case that they're a panic team, but I think Nick Chubb has been so good that they're like, oh, we just got to get him in good game scripts and hold off until Deshaun Watson's available. But then Watson's going to be in, and I think that's going to be a whole other situation. So the Browns, a team that very much could move up to panic territory right now. They're just teetering on a breakdown, as we all are, I'm sure. Uh, teetering on a breakdown as well. I'm going to put the Jags there. I just feel like they're not good enough. Maybe they're honestly, maybe panicking a little inside is appropriate because Travis ATN looks good. You got to sort of feel good about that. I know ATN was a guy we've talked about a lot on this show. Well, I thought looked good going in the mid fifties, basketball wise, when he started to get to the thirties, felt like you're taking some flyers there that maybe you weren't going to get cashed out. Uh, James Robinson being less involved, certainly a positive for them. Uh, Christian Kirk, I think doing a good job, you know, not maybe fully worth the contract yet, but has shown enough upside. Seems like they got something in Zay Jones, Evan Ingram off the scrap. heap looked pretty good. So it could be better. Trevor Lawrence, you'd like to see be more of a game changing QB, but he's playing more like a system QB um, could go either way for the Jaguars in the next few weeks. Spags going to redeem his showdown mistake. Give us tonight's winner. I could feel it. I've been really good about reading the meta game of showdown. So if you're hanging on here, hang on for a few more minutes. We'll hop into the showdown. Of course, built some fantasy cruncher lineups as well. But I think identifying the weak spots are where I am really good with showdown. The tough part is I've been getting a little too extreme. So I, I don't want to tease it out that much, but that's my, my main takeaway. It was like a little too extreme yesterday, a little too chase Edmonds heavy yesterday. And that was my downfall. We've got six or seven more teams to rank here. The Raiders. Hmm. Raiders might be, don't worry, be happy. Josh Jacobs looks like a monster. You can still get more out of Devontae Adams. Darren Waller has been hurt, but he's still, I don't know, man. Darren Waller might just be too old to have any faith in, but whatever. Either way, though, they picked up a win yesterday. Uh, we're able to, I think, make everybody look good in that spot. Josh McDaniels looks like an adequate amount of genius, which I'm sure makes him happy. So I think they're worrying, or not worrying right now, happy right now, but could panic later. I think could feel cute, panic later, perhaps. Uh, for tonight, I think, man, I think the Patriots have to be panicking a little inside. Like, I guess more so because of the Mac Jones thing. Like, what if Mac Jones isn't as good as Bailey Zappi? Like, what if he doesn't do what they need enough to justify the investment they have in Mac Jones? That could be a tough one. Uh, they do get Damian Harris back tonight, it looks like. Uh, it will certainly make Ramondre Stevenson look less good. And I think, honestly, that itself is a little bit of a panic. The fact that you have to have uh, a guy coming in who's not as effective as Ramondre, but going to take meaningful touches away from him. When Ramondre, to me, feels like a guy that you really want to start to invest in, give him the touches, see what he can do. Um, I think it's going to be a 50-50 split, though. We'll see, I guess, uh, if there's any reports coming out before the game. For right now, the Patriots, to me, like they're going to look good tonight. They're a nine-point favorite almost at home. Like The Bears are not going to come ready for this one, I don't think. But I think if things start to look ugly tonight, if Mac Jones looks ugly, rainy weather in Foxborough, it seems like it seems like a spot that the Patriots could be a panic team if things don't work their way. I think the Steelers, 
should be don't worry be happy to me they i've now seen enough from kenny pickett and george pickens that like you got to feel good about it Najee harris i don't know that he was worth the investment but i don't know that we ever felt like he really was worth the investment both in fantasy wise and also in real life draft capital they put up there uh but they're still you know hanging in there against teams like the dolphins like the defense certainly is not what it's been historically but i think with pickett just looking good looking spry out there running the ball effectively things are going to get better for him the mistakes will start to get a little bit less for him so i think if you're the steelers right now you're more of a don't worry be happy team uh, this is going to sound strange. I think the Falcons are chill vibes only. I think they don't give a shit. Like, I think that, I think Arthur Smith believes that he's Brian Dable. And I think that he thinks he's like, oh, I'm a genius who's going to win despite the lack of talent. Forgetting the fact they have two top, top first round pick players at tight end at wide receiver. And they don't throw him the ball at all. Uh, they instead give my precious Tyler Algier. Happy to see him doing well. But I think the Falcons honestly have been good enough. Like they're kind of like Nick was talking about with the Panthers earlier. They're winning above expectation. They've been in every game, even games that it felt like they should have been. Um, even that one with the Bengals yesterday, it was like, you felt like they could come back. Obviously the defense, not good enough to hang in games for real. Gets a team that's got as much firepower as the Bengals, but the Falcons, I think in a spot where they're probably content with what they're doing. Don't feel that bad about it. So I'm gonna give them chill vibes only. Um, Texans, I think also more of a positive vibe for them too. You know, you have something special in Damian Pierce. Davis Mills looks, I think, pretty good yesterday. Nico Collins going out hurt me DFS wise. Brandon Cooks seems like he's on the the worst side of whatever age he is. I feel like Brandon Cooks has got to be thirty, right? He can't. He might still be under thirty, but boy, he feels like he should be fucking thirty three. Uh, Brandon Cooks is how old? How old are you, Brandon? Was Brandon Cooks 40 time? I don't care. I should have just put an age, huh? That would have been the smart thing to do. We're going to find out Brandon Cooks' age here. 29 years. Uh, it turns 30 September 25th of uh, 2023. So close enough to 30. He's old. He's washed up. I think that's a problem for them. Uh, for the Texans, if you have the running back, though, you have Damian Pierce for a team like the Texans as well that clearly wants to rely on the run. I think they're feeling pretty good about the results this year, no matter what happens. And the defense is still hanging in there. Lovey Smith's defense clearly coaching them up, getting the best he can out of them. Um, Saints feel like a, a team that's on the cusp of panic at any given time. Jameis being back out there, uh, certainly uh, going to lead to some more panic situations. I don't know that they have the talents win the South, the South, as we've talked about with the bucks looking like shit, the Falcons certainly eminently beatable. The Panthers don't seem like they should be playing for anything. The Saints could win the South and it wouldn't be a shocker, but boy, they can also run bad and it wouldn't be a shocker either. At a certain point, the gimmickry has to stop their sheet. Shahid touchdowns, the Taysom Hill 50 yard runs are going to stop. And at that point, what do they have? Hopefully they have good Jameis. If they have bad Jameis, things are going to run south. AccuWeather has it only cloudy in Foxborough, Stephen says. Based on the team total, I kind of assumed the weather was going to be looking worse. But I saw, oh, Pete mentioned on his early stream that the weather was looking pretty rainy there. It's rainy here in Philly. So, you know, your mileage, mileage may vary. Our last team to rank here in this opus. Hopefully we'll make it faster next time. The Vikings. Where do the Vikings go? Where do the Vikings go? Because I don't think they should be panicked. I don't think they should be happy. I think they're feeling cute. I think they're feeling cute. They might panic later. It feels like they have some questions to answer about the Alex Madison, Dalvin Cook thing overall. It feels like Justin Jefferson hasn't hit the apex of what I think he should hit at some point. But in this situation for them, like you got to be happy with Kirk Cousins not actively killing them so far this year. Overall, the team seems like they have upside, has potential. The North feels winnable with the Packers playing like shit. The Bears certainly not going to do anything. The Lions seemingly less likely to do things by the week. So honestly... Maybe don't worry, be happy. Yeah, I think it's don't worry, be happy for the Vikings. We know with Kirk Cousins and how that's going to go, especially if there's a lot of national games coming up that that can flip the other way. But here we go, guys. There's your first ranking screenshot. I'm save them, tattoo them on your face like Mike Tyson if you want. But we'll revisit these now every week and maybe I'll get them get through them faster. I don't know. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that one. And if you did enjoy that one, wait, I got a gift for you. Not horny jail. Now, if I got a gift for you here, subscribe, like, and comment, because this is the kind of content you'll be getting from me two times a week. I think also on Wednesdays, I'm going to start to make it Wednesday NBA day here on the channel. So we'll see if I have the bandwidth this week, but if not, coming up the next few weeks, we're going to finally have Luca in the daycare. So please subscribe to the channel. Of course, fantasy football is always going to be the bread and butter. When we get to best ball season again, I'm going to be fucking slamming some drafts on this channel, hopefully more with Pete too. Uh, but of course, Pete and I here every single Friday morning for the flagship Splash Play show. You've come to know and love, but hang out with me too as I try to build this channel up and make it special for all of us involved. But boys, it is time, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, there we go. Thank you, Brandon. I'm glad you like the format. I'm getting in the ranker game here. 
But it's time, guys, to share my window, to share what we're going to see over here. Well, I guess first we're going to see Brandon Cooks' age. He's in, he is, in fact, 29. Um, but we're going to build some lineups here using the stochastic projections, as we always do on these Monday and Thursday shows. I will identify some weak spots in tonight's showdown on DraftKings uh, with the Bears and the Patriots. So please stay tuned here. All right, let's go. We got Fantasy Cruncher over here. We didn't build our groups, so we're going to get to do that live. But honestly, that, that part matters the least, I think, out of all this. We got some Twitter notifications, player profiler. All right. Let's also pull up Probably real fast. I'm actually very excited about Probably. I know I gave the plug earlier for the waitlist at probablyapp.com. Uh, but we have our, our Brazilian UX team is starting to work on things. So I'm also giving some updates on where we are as like a company, like just what the whole thing fucking looks like. I'll set some nice feedback from the NBA on a potential uh, incubator lab thing from them. So we'll see how it goes. But definitely a lot of hard work going on here with Probably so we can uh, give you guys the best, best data in the world is really the hope. Uh, here are the most probable bets for tonight, according to our mar international market data. And of course, what we're trying to do there is take the top of the markets, the people spending the most money, the people, again, the people I was discussing earlier, like the people who are spending millions of dollars, as whether it be as a syndicate, like there are a lot out there that you've never even heard of, whether it be individual bettors who have great data. And here's where we could see the most likely outcomes for the night. A Patriots win, 76.4% probability. The game going over 31 and a half has a 71.7% probability. But that means where you have to think about the inverse as well. A 28.3% chance that this game scores under 31.5 points. I am not normally a double defense guy on showdowns. I'm not, I mean, I'm, you know, a fan of a double D's. Of course, I got to say that for our friend Mathology. Love the double D's in real life. And fantasy, though, for showdowns, I think playing two defenses tends to be a mistake. Um, in this spot, though, you actually might be able to credibly make that case. Patriots being the lead after the first half as a 71.7% probability uh, lead in the first quarter, 69.3% probability. And then the game going under 45 and a half safely at 68.5%. So still, you know, I guess that is a decent chance that you could see the over 45. So maybe you play this one in 30% of your showdown lineups, play a shootout. Um, it seems unlikely, but I think that's one that maybe could be a way to get different. And there's, again, this is the point of it. It's like you have the market data here. Like the way that probably will work the best is when we have the sportsbook data synced up here. So we can evaluate, you know, like if DraftKings think this is a 20% bet, that's a good bet for you to take. But for fantasy, it's just knowing that the field's going to treat this one like it is going to be that low scoring game that could have 30 points um, overall combined. If you treat this game like it has a 30% chance of going over 45 and a half, and that does happen, you're going to be really different from the field and give, your chance, uh, give yourself a good chance to win tonight. Patriots season pretty good the last two games. Have they been good or have they been going against undermanned teams to be the question you have to ask? I, I'm not saying either way, but I think that's the thought process I would have for them tonight. But let's go to the slate here. We got New Orleans and Chicago. 39.5 total. New England favored by eight. So woof. What is, what's the implied total on that one? Mm -mm -mm. implied total of 15.8 for Chicago, 24.3 for New England. So that's not, that's not too pretty. We got to log in to stochastic guys. Don't look at my login. <laughs> don't look at my asterisks here. Okay. So let's look at the numbers first before we pull into fantasy cruncher and do that part. We got Mac Jones, who's the obvious value. It's going to come up on an optimizer. Trayvon Wesco is going to be the obvious value that comes up. Kyrie Blossom game going to be the obvious value that goes up. That is one way right away to try to decrease your exposure to this guy's to get different in a showdown because you're going then against the optimizer plays that are going to come up for people that are 150 maxing and all of that. Uh, Nick Folk seems like a nice mid-range value. Certainly a lot of upside for a kicker in a low total game, but let's see what the optimizer gives us here. And you're going to see it again, the whole process. Oh, fuck. It's like this mouse is just like a little too nice, a little too sensitive. <laughs> this wireless mouse I got. Um, all right, here we go. We'll make sure. Of course, we're just checking the optimals here. So I'll give you guys whatever the, the cash game lineup looks like. I'll put the max players against the defense. Make sure we have no randomness on. Uh, we don't have any position stacks going. And the groups from Thursday Night Football. But we'll, we'll just disable them just in case. So here's your pure optimal lineups for tonight, according to Stochastic's projections. Um, they have some promo codes going on right now, too. Check their YouTube. I think, like, Hardwood is one going. I, I'm not paid to know their promo codes now, but I do use their data pretty liberally. So please go support Stochastic and check them out um, and use their data. I think it's the one that I would swear by the most. Merge them with ETRs, average them out. That's another way to do that and get the best out of both worlds. Um, all right. A lot of Captain Jacoby Myers. So that is not sneaking up on anybody. Um, boy, that's 45% Jacoby Myers captain. I don't know about that. 
And that, like, so normally you would want a captain above the QB just because like Mac Jones can create value for Jacoby Myers that helps him score more fantasy points than Mac Jones has. Um, so like captain wide receiver looks pretty good with the QB down here, but this maybe could be a slate where you flip it around or you go Patriots D at captain instead. So here's my, the lesson I learned yesterday. So I mentioned it before I played way too fucking much chase Edmonds yesterday. And you know why it was because I saw Raheem Mostert on this list as having 20% exposure overall. I was like, you know what? Like Edmonds is coming up at all. Mostert's coming up enough. People will get to him. It'll be smart. Like it's a smart play, but like the galaxy brain play was going to chase Edmonds. Chase Edmonds had a chance. Like he could have gotten those red zone touchdowns. I think he had three or four red zone touches yesterday, at least that I saw on TV. Um, but I think in this spot, it's not about getting guys necessarily that don't appear in here at all. It's about figuring out the guys who are barely appearing in here because that's where the value is. So Brandon is saying Bears defense optimal in a New England onslaught. That tells you how bad the Bears offense is. Uh, that's a fair point as well. But I think the fact that the Bears defense, the Patriots defense is not coming up a lot in an optimal captain means that they actually are good plays tonight. Um, because people are apparently playing a lot of offense going for the Patriots way. And that doesn't seem likely like the bears defense is not good by any stretch um, on the year. They give up a pretty good, let's see, give up a dropback EPA of 0.089, a 47.5% dropback success rate for the bears. A rushing EPA is minus 0.005 for the Chicago defense, 46% success rate. So that looks pretty decent overall. The defense point being is not doing a whole lot for the bears. Um, for the New England defense, though, they have stopped dropbacks really well. Uh, only a 39.7% dropback success rate for the Patriots defense. That's actually a pretty bad number, um, along with an EPA of minus 0.126 for dropbacks. So no reason to have a lot of faith in Justin Fields, but especially don't have faith in Justin Fields as a stack, I think would be the way that I would do that. Um, does seem like the New England defense uh, does give up a good success rate in the run game, though. 47.9% rushing success rate for the Bears defense allowed. This would be for the New England defense allowed. So David Montgomery getting there. Maybe you play Montgomery and fields together as your bears exposure. If you want to play multiple bears, but um, how does that look too? So a lot of two player bears, it looks like. Um, so you're getting a lot of bears onslaughts. So it kind of, or new England onslaughts rather with little bears. So man, that kind of feels like you got to go more than one bear because people will be playing it. Like there's no bears that can get there. Justin asking, isn't the worry both teams just run so defenses aren't getting opportunities to score as much? That's a good point. Um, so, like, the issue with that is that it takes, like, let's say three sacks for these guys, especially at captain, then, you're, you know, you're getting the one-and-a-half-point modifier on there. That, like, if the offenses don't score anything and don't move the ball at all, then the defense can still get there because nobody actually puts up 10-plus fantasy points. Um, so that would be the part that I think is normally why you'd play defenses, but I think you're right overall that these teams run enough that you're not going to find the volatile upside. So maybe you're willing to play both defenses and utility, but not play them at captain. I don't, I don't know. I, I think that these guys are coming up so little at captain that I'm intrigued by it. But let's talk about it. Patriots defense is expensive. I think as these go, uh, let's see, what's their price tag. So maybe that's, what's kind of limiting them there. You have 5,600 overall. Um, yeah, it's a pretty lofty price tag. Yeah, normally you don't pay for defenses because the volatility when they're that priced that highly, like Jason was saying about taking the bucks D like I would probably be more inclined on that slate. And again, this is, it worked out this way, but I like just the way that I play it, like I'd be more inclined to play the Panthers defense than the bucks defense yesterday because the Panthers defense is 2200. So it gives you more money to go get the skill position guys. who could have that slate breaking upside, but for a showdown, it's just a matter of like trying to spend less money than other people gets to different configurations. And if people don't want to pay for the defenses here because they feel like it's a trap, um, it does feel like paying up for Patriots defense could be a pretty wise move. That's interesting. Montgomery's not been very efficient and fields has been sacked a lot. Yeah. The issue is like fields is going to drop back 15 times today. So like you got to make the most out of that, that limited window of opportunity for them. Um, yeah, let's, let's run some random crunches here. Let me make my groups and we can do this real fast too. Uh, so we're going to do the same thing that ugh, man, should I even do, I'll do the kicker one for now. Ugh, MNF kickers. All right. Got so we normally are trying to limit it to one kicker per team. With the low total here, you can make the case that we shouldn't do that tonight. Honestly, let's let me not do the groups today. Because this feels like a game where you don't have to be as slavish to groups. I normally strongly feel that you only want to play one defense, only want to play one kicker uh, because it's hard for both of them to get there. When you have these low total games and this one is a total combined under 40 points, you can see them both get there in a more meaningful way. 
I guess I should still play the set, the stacks and stuff though. So let's do the MNF any wide receivers. Make sure we're at least playing receivers with our our QB. Um, so if we get Jacoby Myers, if we get Jacoby Myers, we get Parker. God, this is gonna be. This is a very ugly game. <laughs> John is Smith, like nobody with a good projection in this game at all. Aguilar. All right, so we've got all of our core pass catchers here, and then we're going to say use at most two of them. Mm -mm -mm. Let me make a copy here. And I'm also going to make it so I'm only getting one of them if I'm not playing Mac Jones. Uh, Mac Jones, oh, he should be the key player. <laughs> All right, so here you can see it down here. If no key players are used, then we're using at most one pass catcher just because it's very unlikely that two pass catchers are going to get there in this game in general, but let alone if Mac Jones doesn't get there. Um, does Mac Jones run enough? So basically, if you have a QB that doesn't run a lot, you also want to make sure that if you're playing them in the flex that you're playing them with a pass catcher too. And I think I'm going to do that for this slate because I don't think Mac Jones runs enough to feel confident in that one uh qb flex Justin jefferson run, or just jefferson uh, justin fields justin jefferson honestly should be the qb for the <laughs> for the Bears tonight to have a more fun game um yeah, so for this one so obviously if i'm making mac jones the qb in the flex basically now if uh if yes key player is used then use at least one player so what this is saying, and this is something I stole from Neil Orfield from Stochastic, uh, was that basically if Mac Jones is in the lineup at all, I want to play him with another pass catcher because that means that um, basically like Mac Jones is very unlikely to get scored by a single pass catcher unless he runs a little. Um, but overall, like that's what you want to do for players that aren't very rush heavy, um, especially that rushing TD equity, is you want to make sure that they have a pass catcher with them if they justify being in your lineups. Um, and then for Fields' size uh, side, rather, I guess we still want to have the wide receiver limiter on. Uh, I'll get to the chat questions. I just should have done this before the show, but it's Mondays for you, baby. <laughs> it's it's Monday living for you. All right. Uh, Cole Komet. God, no pass catchers with a decent projection, even at captain. It's just very sad. Dante Pettis, uh, Vilas Jones. All the stars are out tonight for Monday Night Football. Mm -mm -mm. Tristan Ebner is a running back, so we don't want him in there. All right, so we're going to say use at most two players from this group. And then, oops, make a copy. I know people love watching me click around on Fantasy Cruncher, so <laughs> hope you guys are enjoying the show here. Honestly, for this slate, it actually might be helpful because I really would always put in that kicker rule, the min the max one kicker, max one defense. And today, I don't think that's the right thing to do necessarily. It is right more often than not, though, I will say. All right, uh, let's get our fields in here. Fields key player. All right, so if no key player is used, then use at most one pass catcher. There we go. And again, because Fields rushes, we're not going to do the same rule that we did for Mac Jones. So our rules here, just wide receiver limiting, max two wide receivers, uh, the utility or at captain. And then if the QB's played in flex, we still have to play a pass catcher with them for New England, not for Chicago. And now let's put the randomness on. Also lower the projection too. Before we put randomness on, let me just make sure to lower this projection to nothing and just run the optimals one more time. Is that... Seems like an important thing to evaluate first. All right. Any value guys coming up a lot? I'm surprised those $200 guys aren't coming up a little bit more in this one. So no obvious value fades, despite what it looked like projection-wise. The captain still a lot of Jacoby Myers, Mac Jones a little bit more, Nick Folk. All right, now let's put on randomness and crunch it and set the groups and all that. Burr, burr, burr. And you could also, well, here, I'll do the thing that I'm going to do tonight. I'm limiting my salary cap again to under 40. Uh, actually, no, I did that wrong. I will only get lineups under 47,000. 
And we're not going to go super thin. No, no Chase Edmonds is of the world today. There we go. Shouldn't have closed out of the optimal, but there we go. Well, I allow three kickers to defenses. I still think it's supposed to be one of each normally. I guess you could make that on the rule, so you give yourself a little more forgiveness. But I think tonight, just because of the low total here, like it's entirely possible that Cairo Santos has four field goals, Nick Volk hits four field goals, and both defenses are over 10 points because like they get either a sack or a touchdown or whatever. Um, that doesn't happen a lot, but I think when you see that total under 40 three, I would say 42. And this is me just kind of saying a random number. I think you gotta be a little more flexible with the defensive kickers. That's one mistake I've definitely made on some of the slates where like it's hard for position players to get there when there aren't points scored and the ball hasn't moved well. So I think you should be open to it. Even if it's not a priority necessarily. A lot of Nick Folk coming up that I put in. No, I didn't put in any kicker rules, right? So it's just folk is coming up. Oh, okay, you know what? I fucked up. I did have that one rule. There we go. Let's delete that. Take it from the top. Crunch it from the top, as everybody loves to see here. <laughs> it wouldn't be a showdown stream here if I didn't make a mistake immediately in the crunch <laughs> after redo it. You're still getting 55% Nick Folk, but you shouldn't be. Uh, definitely don't force a kicker or defense into every lineup. Okay, we're not doing that now. Good. Good. Uh, my Robbie Anderson group that I tried for the <laughs> for the Cardinals showdown slate did not work out, but I wasn't getting Robbie Anderson naturally. So how are you gonna? How are you not gonna try to get some Robbie Anderson? Only for him to put up a fucking zero. But again, so that's the main takeaway that I will give from my lessons re recently is that you can find these lower own lineups. You could do that by decreasing the salary cap here. Again, we're not getting lineups now that are going to be $47,000 or more. For the most part, you know, a lot of the most duplicated lineups are that 49000 to 50000 but you could still get even lower there, get away from even more people, and give yourself still some like decently projected lineups that have the stuff you want by going to this salary. Uh, but you can make the case that you can make this 48000 You can make it 49000 if you want. Uh, but I do think not being in that forty thousand or forty nine thousand to fifty thousand dollar range salary wise is important, just because you're right away getting away from a large portion of the field, which is helpful because um, you're not likely to be unduped if you have anything in that salary range. I will go over on Thornton if people aren't there. I think the Patriots want to get him more and more involved. That's a fair point. Worth pointing out last week, the Kendrick Bourne injury. Um, Bourne though, I think is not playing today either. Uh, honestly, Stephen would know better than I would as a New England fan. Um, but it does seem like Bourne is not on the projections. Is Bill Harry going to be active for this game, actually? Because that's kind of an interesting little revenge play. Harry. Ah, oh, zero for Harry. Oh, check your inactives, of course, before the game. Maybe Nikhil Harry sneaks in. As far as the spread, if you believe that teams get caught in look-aheads, the Patriots play the Jets next Sunday. Oof, that'll be another 40-point total game, huh? <laughs> I don't think Bill Belichick looks ahead that much, to be honest. Like, I feel like that's the one thing, like a lot of coaches, a lot of teams, you could probably say that if you're worried about you know, old school gambling tropes. Um, but I don't think Bill Belichick is the one to look ahead. Besides in press conferences for his famous uh, on the Cincinnati kind of quotes. All right, so let's see. So let's see what the top projected lineups here. I'm not going to crunch a bunch of different ones today because you guys get the gist from that at this point. Um, but it does seem, again, a lot of five-man New England. Um, the occasional four-man Chicago. So you're not getting a lot of three threes, which I feel like could be valuable. I also right away would take these four-man Bears ones just in the hopes that the Bears somehow do something. Um yeah, and I really think Jacoby Myers at captain feels like a like a huge mistake. I would say so. My three takeaways right now: do not play Jacoby Myers at captain. It's too obvious. People are going to get to it too easily. People love playing wide receivers at captain because they know now that that's like a valuable thing to do. Um, but Myers and Mac Jones, even with the randomness on thirty three percent, is like still pretty high. Um, so don't play Jacoby Myers at captain. Would be my one my first takeaway. If you want to play him, play him at utility. Uh, second one would be. Don't be afraid of kicker and defense captains. Just not coming up as much as you would think. So Patriots defense, 7.6% captain right here. 7.2% for Nick Folk. Let's see the stochastic. Actually, let's see there. 
optimal rates for this. And then we'll jump off here. Just trying to keep these shows under an hour flat. And I've let myself down tremendously. So they're saying Nick Folk is being going to be owned 7% at captain. Uh, oh, no, he's going to be. You no, know, he's got a 7% captain optimal rate, only 3% ownership. So Nick Folk is a great captain play tonight. That's one. Kicker captain's usually not the best in this particular slate. Low total game. I think it's a solid play to go there. Uh, Patriots look a little bit overowned, uh, 6.7% ownership compared to 6%. But I still think because you are getting single digit ownership, it's worth trying um, just because of the total, because of the fact that fields can turn it over. Um, so, yeah, be more willing to play kickers and defenses at captains is take two. No Jacoby Myers a captain is take one. And then for the last one, Tyquan Thornton a captain, if you really believe. <laughs> Getting a bit very low ownership, though he is, uh, I think, a little bit overowned. it looks like. Uh, for what it's worth, this is the ownership rate. This is the optimal rate. Or actually, I'm have it backwards because the screen is kind of short. There you go. You can see that better now. All right. So what's the third takeaway? Third takeaways don't do a Patriots 5-1 onslaught. I think that's just too obvious. People are going to do that too much. I mean, normally 5-1 onslaughts are under-owned, but the fact that this is coming up 100% of the time is not a great thing. So I would say uh, no Jacoby Myers captain, be willing to play defense kickers at captains, and avoid 5-1 onslaughts favoring the Patriots. Those are your three takeaways for the day. Thank you guys for hanging out here. Thank you guys for riding with me. Thank you to Steven Leibovitz for saying good stuff, Spags. I appreciate you all hanging out here. Of course, make sure to like and subscribe, of course, before you go. If you're watching after the fact, leave a comment down below because I will come into the comments and reply to whatever you say, whether it be nice, if it's mean, I'll just deeply die inside. <laughs> But either way, uh, good luck tonight, guys. Please take it down and showdown. I'll be throwing 20 entries into the, the main tournament, 20 into the 220 maxes as well of decent money on DraftKings. So you can play along with me if you so desire. And I'll be back. I'll try to be back on Wednesday for some NBA. So please come join us there for a little bit of a, usually Wednesdays have like 10 game at least slates. So hopefully that'll be fun for us. And then Thursday, fancy stats show, another showdown coming up there. Friday's flagship show with me and Pete. So hopefully you will now be getting four days a week of content on this channel as we try desperately to fight off the fact that Pete has less availabilities. Thanks to his serious work. No pun intended. Thank you guys for hanging out here. Catch you guys later. Good luck tonight. See you soon. <laughs>